Listen, we're gonna have a lot of fun today. I'm super excited because I wanna go in the direction of worship. I wanna unpack worship and how our lives are supposed to be daily worshipers. It's so much more than the screen lyrics and the amazing worship team, which give them a hand again. That was incredible. But it's so much more. This is a corporate setting, and we're gonna to touch on that in a little bit, but there's so much more to worship than this moment because if you discount and only think this is the moment, sometimes your humanity can get in the way and this almost becomes like a karaoke moment. And so I wanna unpack this a little bit as individuals and then what it's like to be connected and then what it's like to do it in a corporate setting. But as we jump in, I just wanna say this because I woke up this morning fired up, honestly fully convinced, say fully convinced, like fully convinced that God is still healing people that God is still restoring people, that you woke up again today and you're breathing, which is proof that God's not done with you yet. Like his mercies were new once again for you today. Like somebody should shout, like that's good news. Here's even better news, you've survived 100% of your worst days. Like you're doing way better. Look at the person next to you and say, you're doing better than you think. Come on, let them know. Doing better than you think. I'm fully convinced. So I have a 10-year-old boy, just turned nine-year-old girl, three-year-old girl, six month old little buddy, little boy. And my, my, my second, uh, second born, so my oldest daughter who just turned nine, I was reading a story about a little girl the other day who's fully convinced, she's eight years old, she goes to a life-giving church like LifePoint. And just so you know, if you're new here or you've been here for any amount of time, your kids are being taught the word of God. It's not just fun stuff and giveaways and, no, it's fun, but it's also word and foundational base. And so this little girl was raised in a life-giving church, and she's excited because this specific Sunday they were teaching about Jonah and the whale. I mean, she was pumped. Like, what a great story. So she jumps in the car, and she's telling her parents about it. They're like, that's amazing. And she said, yeah, it's incredible. And so she goes to school the next day, public school on a Monday, and the teacher says, guess what we're gonna talk about today? Whales. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, I'm God's favorite, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so the teacher starts going in a direction and says this, you know, that a whale's esophagus is so small that it'd be difficult for them to swallow a human being. She's like, what? Why? Because she's fully convinced. Say fully convinced. So she lifts her hand during Q&A time and she's like, what about Jonah and the whale? Like real bold, like what about Jonah and the whale? Like, and the teacher said, well, who? And she's like, Jonah and the whale. She's like, Jonah. Jonah refused to go to Nineveh, literally went the opposite. So God sent the fish, the whale swallowed him up. He hung out in the belly of the whale for three days on his iPad. That's where her theology was a little off. <laughs> and then he was like, uh, okay, God, I'll go. And then God spit him up on the shore, Jonah, in the whale. And the teacher's like, mm -hmm. where did you read this at? She's like, the Bible. She said, oh, okay. Well, you can't believe fictitious books. Next question. She's fully convinced. Say fully convinced. So she's fired up, man. She's, you know, the whole time during Q&A time, she's just, come on, give me another one. At the end, she's like, we're out of time. We have no more questions. And she's just, she's like, we don't have any more time. She said, ma'am, it's not a question. It's a comment. <laughs> she said, what? What is it? She said, one day when I get to heaven, <laughs> I'm going to walk up to Jonah. I'm going to shake his hand. And I'm going to say, what was it like in your disobedience to be in the belly of the whale. And the teacher's like, all right, if you're gonna be mouthy like your mom, I'm gonna give it back to you. So she's like, okay, okay, okay. So you're gonna walk up to Jonah in heaven, shake his hand and ask him about the whale moment, right? She said, yes, ma'am. She goes, well, what happens if Jonah went to the other place? What if Jonah went to hell? 
what are you going to do then? She goes, oh, well, you'll have to ask him. All right. <laughs> Yo, come on. Some. <laughs> come on, we can laugh in church, y'all. That blesses my whole life. So we're going to talk about worship, unpack worship, because I believe that when you turn your worry into worship, God will turn your battle into a breakthrough. You know, worship is derived from the word worth-ship because he's worthy of all the glory and all the praise. I walked around my hotel today and I lifted my hands. I said, God, if you never did anything else for me but hang on the cross, you've already done enough. You've already done enough. And there's some things I'm believing for, but because you've proven your faithfulness time and time again, and one of the definitions of the word testimony is do it again, so I'll praise you now and you can do it later. I'll worship you in this moment because I know that you're faithful. I know that you're good. I know that you're consistent. I know that you're always on time. Say worship. As a foundational verse, we're gonna jump into this first. John chapter four, verse 23. This is red letters, which means Jesus spoke these words. It says this, but the hour is coming and now is here. Now this is amazing about the presence of God. He's telling you it's coming, but you're also in the middle of it. When the true worshipers, wave at me if you're a true worshiper, come on. When the true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now I love this verse and I wanna make this a, a blanket statement across all campuses. Everybody is invited to participate in this verse. Because this verse right here, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, has nothing to do with your ability to sing on key. Somebody should have shouted, ah, like ran around the room. Y'all don't think we can hear you. We can hear you. So we're saying, break every chain, break. And some of y'all are like, break every chain. Like you're fully creating your own melodies. And to the person next to you, maybe it bothers them, but man, the Lord loves it. And the verse proves it. Has nothing to do with your ability to sing on key. Has nothing to do with your ability to clap on beat. That was just for the white people. Let's just say that now. <laughs> has nothing to do with that. To worship the Lord in spirit and in truth is a pure, it's an innocent, it's an authentic expression of your faith and your trust in God's spirit. There's a spiritual part of this, but then in truth. See, you have to come into his presence as you are. Some of you are duct taped and super glued back together. But here's the reality. God can't fix, heal, restore, or bless who you pretend to be. So when we come into his presence, my posture is 1 Peter 5, verse 6. I want to position, or the translation says, humble myself. That's a choice. Humble myself under the mighty hand of God, and it says he will lift you up. I don't know what you're walking through today if you need breakthrough today, but I'm fully convinced that the breakthrough supernatural power of God is in this room. It's not just a story we read about in 1 Chronicles 14, 11, where King David, the, the Bible theologians say, was outnumbered five to one by the Philistines, and he had two options like we do when we're outnumbered. We can trust God or we can freak out. Because it looked like he was surrounded. The enemy was like, we got him. We got him surrounded. But what the enemy didn't know was it may have looked like David and his men were surrounded, but on the outskirts of them surrounding David and his men, there was someone bigger and stronger that was about to move. And David describes this moment like a mighty rushing wave. And it says, God showed up, burst forth on the scene, and scattered my enemy. And he named that moment, after the Hebrew, it says this, it says, Baal Perazim. He named that moment Baal Perazim. What does that mean? It means the God of the breakthrough showed up for me. And if he showed up for David, the God of the breakthrough is going to show up for you today. Do y'all believe that? The God of the breakthrough is going to fight for you today. 
defending you and fighting for you in battles that you don't even know about. So today we're gonna unpack what worship is. Here's the other thing. You were chosen by God. Like that blesses me. That you woke up again, you look in the mirror and you have two options to be like, well, I guess this is what I'm dealing with. Like God has a sense of humor. He's like, I'm gonna remove your hair to keep you humble. <laughs> but I'm gonna give you a great beard which has made me a little cocky. I'll be honest, like the balance is, we're gonna have to figure it out. But there's something about audacious faith that when it begins to rise up in you, you'll look in the mirror and say, devil, you're gonna get tired before I do. Because the one standing for me and the one standing with me will always be stronger than the one who's been standing against me. And so I'm ready to take on whatever God you want me to take on. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. I love the message translation. But you are the chosen ones by God. Look at the person next to you and say, you've been chosen. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. Check this out. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others the night and day difference he's made in you. How many of y'all, that's your story. That's your testimony. The night and day difference. And then I love this last phrasing. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise that he has chosen you today? I'm gonna give a snapshot of my story from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. My mom gets the call from her doctor, you're pregnant again. It was an accident. The doctor told my mom, let me give you a little groundwork. My family was like a Jerry Springer episode, <laughs> like, like five types of crazy. <laughs> like, and my dad's like, how do you know it's mine? Let's do a paternity test, like a you know, Mari Povich show or whatever. And my mom said, no, 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 no. I think we need, to, we need to talk. And my dad said, no, you need to abort that baby. I can't afford the two we already have. And my mom went to the doctor and the doctor said, I haven't said this in 27 years, but I'm gonna tell you, you're, you're, you're in a real messed up situation. And my advice to you, my professional advice is that you would abort this baby. My mom drove to the abortion clinic twice, couldn't follow through on it because she would say higher power, big man upstairs, some say you're God. There must be a purpose behind this baby. So she kept lying to my dad, kept lying to my dad, kept lying to my dad. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the clinic, I'm gonna go. She'd go sit in the parking lot, couldn't follow through. And then she missed, the, some of y'all like, what happened? I made it, I'm not a hologram. Like, I'm, this is me, I'm here. <laughs> Never would've made it. <laughs> so my dad was like, well, there's still a chance you could miscarry, there's still a chance that we could lose this baby. Because he did not care. He was caught up in addiction, caught up in all kinds of struggles and my mom ended up following through and she ended up deciding to go through and have me and a few months into her pregnancy, a drunk driver hit us on the right side and almost killed both of us in that accident. They went in and said there's still a heartbeat. She fell down a flight of stairs a few months after that. We lived in a little farmhouse with no heat, held onto her stomach, fell down the steps and broke her back. See, the enemy was gunning for me when I didn't have a voice. But now in my camo cargo pants and my Yeezys, y'all, I'm kicking the devil in the teeth every day. I'm kicking him in the teeth every day. Come on. <laughs> so whenever I have the opportunity to worship where you're at, or stand on a stage, there's always this moment where 
I truly am overwhelmed by the grace and the mercy of a, of a loving God in Romans 2 verse 4 that says that the goodness and love of God is what draws a man's heart to freedom. My mom was ministered to in a cereal aisle at a Kroger grocery store in Grove City, Ohio by a 73-year-old lady who woke up that day and still believed healing was in her hands, still believed that she was an oracle of Jesus, still believed that Colossians 3.17 meant something, that everything I do, everything I say, I'll do it as a representative. Invited my mom to church. And my mom showed up and she didn't find religion. That's a waste of time. She found relationship with a savior who loved her. And the abuse got worse, the addiction got worse. But one day, because Psalms 23, six says it's the goodness and mercy of God that chases after you all the days of your life. I don't know if you're at one of our additional campuses or here in this room, but maybe you've been lied to and they told you that God's mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's actually madly in love with you. And his goodness and his mercy will draw you in today like he did my drug dealing, addict-filled dad who showed up to church one time. <laughs> this is hilarious. I didn't say this in the last service. But the guy who met him in the parking lot said, you have been here before? My dad's like, it's my first time. And he said, that's amazing. He's like, I mean, in church. And he's like, well, come on, I got you a seat. He took him all the way up to the front. My dad's like, nah, this is where the lightning's at. I don't want to be at. <laughs> mm, not today. And again, my dad found Jesus. And it was as if heaven opened and put his thumbprint on my father. You know, 33 years later, my dad's never sipped another sip of alcohol. He stopped doing drugs and shooting up, beating people up and cheating. Everything changed. Because when Jesus gets in the way of your storm, he's the God of the turnaround. So that's a little foundation because we're becoming family. I might be like a weird cousin, but I'm family. But I believe with all my heart that God wants this foundational daily relationship. You realize that he not only loves you, but he likes you. Like you may feel overlooked and undervalued. Maybe people forget your name. Maybe you struggled with identity. Maybe you always feel like you're in a hidden place. But the truth is there's someone who's the good, good father who loves you, who spoke everything else into existence except you. He shaped and molded you in his image because he loves you that much. So we're starting foundational as a worshiper. Maybe you're brand new to the church. Maybe you showed up the first time and somebody invited you and said, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'll buy you a steak if you come. You know it's a steak taco from Taco Bell. But it's still, <laughs> but she showed up and I believe the God of the breakthrough is gonna meet you where you're at. Write this down if you're taking down notes. Harvard did a study that says if you're a hearer only, you only retain 5% of what you hear. So literally the only thing you're gonna remember is Yeezy's white chocolate. Like that's it, five, five. If you take down notes in real time, 35%. If you take down notes and go back and apply it, your retention rate goes up as high as 90 to 95%. Write this down if you're taking down notes. The worship of one, that's you individually, the worship of one cultivates intimacy. The worship of one cultivates intimacy. I love this verse in 1 John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I love that. This is the confidence, as sonship and as daughters, that when you come into his presence, he not only hears you, but he sees you. I love what Bishop Jake says. He says, intimacy equals into me, see. See, but that's a choice. Well, how do I, how do I grow in this intimacy with God? First and foremost, you have to live an open-handed life. And this is a little painful sometimes. That your posture isn't just all your list of demands. Like, God, I showed up. I even put a little money in the bucket. I took a little bit out, but I put more in. <laughs> made some change. 
I showed up, so can you bless me now? No, 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 the reward of worship is not blessings. That's a bonus because you're his kids. The reward of worship is his presence. And so when you hang out in his presence and you spend time in his presence, this open-handed life, it's John chapter three, verse 30. I want you to become greater and greater as I become less. God, as I decrease, I need you to increase, but sometimes that's painful what he has to pull out. Sometimes that's toxic relationships. Sometimes that's blind spots that you don't see that's muddying the waters of your ability to hear the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but the Holy Spirit is always speaking. Always. John 14, 26 says, before Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, he left the Holy Spirit here as our helper who helps the Holy Spirit is always speaking. But sometimes the distractions in life muddy the waters of our sensitivity and ability to hear the presence of God. I was at my father-in-law's house. And I'm not a garden enthusiast. Where's all my gardeners at? Come on, you're like, I garden. Like, she's wearing a glove. She's literally wearing a garden glove. She's passionate. <laughs> so my next, my father-in-law's next door neighbor, he had the ni- literally the nicest garden I'd ever seen. Like so much, I was like drawn like a moth to a flame to him. My father-in-law was like, what's the matter with you? I was like, I gotta go look at this garden. He's like, is that what you guys are saying nowadays? I'm like, what? He's <laughs> so I go out and I'm literally staring at this garden like this, the rose, the lines are perfect. Everything is flourishing. And then I hear this like country clocker door, like, like the door, bam. And this guy comes out like, hey, what are you doing? Don't touch anything. And I was like, it's just a red pepper. It's no big deal. And I said, bro, is this your garden? He's like, yeah. And I said, it's fantastic. He said, thank you. I said, if I was a photographer for Garden Monthly Magazine, I would take pictures of this. He said, are you? I said, no, that's, I have no idea if that's a real magazine. I don't even know. <laughs> and I asked this loaded question. I didn't know it would be loaded, but it was loaded. I said, what is your secret? And you could tell, he could tell, and I could tell that he could tell that I was impressed. So he got real like mumbly. He was like, oh, what's my secret? I said, what's your secret? He's like, I said, did you angle it a certain way so like the sun hits it a certain way? No, no. I said, did you import special artesian water from Switzerland? He's like, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> so some sort of like supernatural soil like this. He said, no, I water it every day. I said, what is it? I'm weeding every day. I said, you water it every day? Mm-hmm. I said, what else? I'm winning every day. I said, you're winning every day. I'm winning every day. You're constantly winning. I'm weeded every day. You smoke weed every day? I'm trying to understand what you're saying. It's not why I came out here. It's just super weird. He said, no, man, I weed every day. And I stopped because I'm not a gardener. I said, whoa, 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 that's a lot of maintenance, but you're telling me you pull weeds every day? And this is where he spoke, and this is where the Holy Spirit began to stir something in me. He said, I don't have to pull weeds every day, but I check for weeds every day. And I heard the Lord say, this is the problem with the body of Christ. They're no longer checking for weeds. See, in the garden of life, this purpose, this big picture that God has called you to, sometimes weeds come in and disguise themselves as good fruit. That might be a toxic relationship. That might be something that you would have never watched before, but you're starting to watch now. That might be something that you know, I didn't need to open the door to this in my life, but I've allowed access in. Right outside of our offices, there was this weed that started growing, and I said to my wife, that's a weed. She said, there's berries on it. She doesn't talk like that, but she's not here. (laughs) Sorry, babe, she's watching right now. (laughs) Curtsy. All right. So I said, babe, that's a weed. She said, doesn't look like a weed. I said, I'm telling you, that is a weed. I said, leave it alone, and watch what happens. It will strangle out. Because a weed's job is only one thing, to strangle, to restrict. 
Bible says in John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The truth is the enemy is trying to come in and trying to clamp off and restrict access to the life of God to you ultimately for God to use your life and work his life through you. Because here's the reality. God will never give you a life where he's not necessary. And these weeds get in. So I want to challenge you as a church today across all campuses. Maybe take a sticky note and write it and put it on your mirror. Check for weeds today. Because for some of you, these weeds need plucked. And it's going to be a little painful because there's some things you know you need to surrender, that you need to let go of. Just close your eyes with me real quick across all campuses. And, and begin to search your heart real quick. Do a selfie check of your life. What weeds are in your life right now that are muddying the waters of your confidence? What weeds are in your life that are trying to rob you of your joy? Because the enemy knows you're dangerous. The enemy knows there's a plan and purpose behind your life. He knows if I can rob her of her joy, I'll take her strength. If I can rob him of his confidence in his fight, I'll rob him of his purpose. And not only does he rip you off, but he rips off all the people connected to your destiny. So check right now the weeds. Check, check, check right now. Father, I pray right now that if there's any weeds that are standing in the way of our purpose, our call, and what you want us to be as worshipers, as sons and daughters, right now, God, we just ask that you would pull them out. Every single day, God, we're gonna start checking for weeds. Say check for weeds. Come on, say check for weeds. Number two, Two worshipers, the worship of two cultivates victory. So we talked about us individually. This is our foundation. There's intimacy. We're going to check for weeds every day. But then there's this two or three gather in my name. I'll be in the midst of you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 verse that says, if you'll just gather in my name. So two worshipers, the worship of two brings victory. That's why it's so important if you have not already connected, gone through the growth track, the four foundational passionate principles here at LifePoint, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, ultimately so that you can make a difference and God can unlock purpose in your life. But the truth is, you have to get involved. You have to get plugged in. If you're not a part of one of the small groups, there's over 400 of them here at LifePoint Church. Like you have no excuses. You're like, yeah, well, they don't have a chihuahua walking one. Maybe they do. <laughs> and maybe we'll start one. But there's a way for you to connect. Why? Why is this so important? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpens iron. As one man sharpens another. And when you're going through a storm, you don't have to fight this battle on your own. It's great to be able to go to somebody and say, Pastor Ethan, man, I'm struggling with this. I need healing in this. I need restoration in this. Two worshipers brings victory. And it's biblical. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16. Verse 25 and 26 out of the NIV, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They chose, instead of freaking out in this dungeon moment, they chose to sing hymns and praise the living God. So suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Listen, jump in, be a part Get your foundation right as a one individual worshiper. Get connected, jump in and be a part of what God's doing so that we can have victory together. And then last but not least, and I'm gonna ask that you stand your feet on this last one. I'm gonna make a couple of you uncomfortable. You're like, well, you're already making me uncomfortable. We're not gonna get the golden corral. The Baptists will beat us. Just take it easy. Just take it easy. You have plenty of time. I was in Tampa with my parents a couple months ago. My mom's like, do you wanna go to golden corral? I was like, I haven't had pink eye in a while. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> absolutely. 
There's a chocolate fountain, and I'm standing there trying to figure out <laughs> if this is wisdom or not. And a little kid came up and put his entire arm in the chocolate fountain. <laughs> and we're making eye contact like, huh. And he pulled his arm out, kind of licked his hand, and there was a lady watching along with me, and she just shrugged her shoulders and put the marshmallow in it. I'm like, all right, this is absolutely fantastic. So it starts with you as a daily worshiper. It goes forward with being connected. Deep roots produce healthy fruit. Psalms 92, 13 says, blessed is the man who's planted in the house of the Lord. Get your roots down deep. But this moment here, as the worship team comes out, this moment here, a corporate worship moment, displays his glory so he can show off and flex and do what only he can do so that he can move and do what only the supernatural power of God can do so I want you to do this would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender all over the room God right now we're going to begin to surrender some things withholding nothing we're really good in our humanity to compartmentalize things yeah, yeah, but I've been holding on to this for a long time. Here's the reality. Your name has never been damaged goods. Your name has never been fragile. No, no, he loves you and he calls you by name. In Joshua chapter six, there was this moment. On the seventh day, Joshua's promised this promised land moment. Bible theologians say upwards of two and a half million people were with him. Families, women, children, priests, army and on the seventh day there was a really unique moment that happened all throughout this journey they marched around their promise six different days and said nothing but on the seventh day faith began to rise Joshua a man under the authority of God postured and positioned himself in the natural and as he positioned himself in the natural all of heaven began to breathe God kicked in in the super and the super collided with the natural and along with the shouting of the army and the rejoicing of the priests and the rejoicing of the people, everything God had promised was on the other side of their shout of praise. I feel like there's somebody in this room today that you're one shout of praise away from your miracle. That you're one shout of praise away. Let, let me phrase it this way. If your miracle, the very thing you've been believing God most for depended upon your next shout of praise, how would you respond? She got it. Yeah, yeah. She got it. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Psalms 100, verse 1 says, shout for joy all the earth. All the earth is you. And so this is what I want to do. Everybody do this with me. Come on, shake it off. Come on, shake off your nerves. Shake off anxiety. Well, I'm more dignified. I won't shout in church. But you'll shout over your favorite professional football team. You'll act crazy at a college game. So we're going to count to three. Lift your hands. And when I hit three, I want expectation to rise like it did in Joshua 6. A corporate moment of worship displays His glory, His faithfulness. I'm believing diagnoses are going to reverse in this moment. The marriages are going to be restored that addictions are gonna break off, that if you smoke and struggle with nicotine, it breaks off today. Alcoholism breaks off today. Prescription drug issues break off today. Hope is restored. The way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper releasing his presence. One, I thank you for joy to rise up. 
two. I thank you for breakthrough to begin to stir in this room. Two and a half. I thank you, Lord God, that you are for us and not against us, that we're the head and not the tail, that we're above and not beneath. Two and three quarters. Come on, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Three. Come on, shout for your marriage. Shout for your breakthrough. Shout for your deliverance. Shout. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also want to encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people.